Wednesday night before, Brother Jim ministered. So, uh, you know, I, you know what? I, I was lost Sunday night. I don't know what people do that don't go to church on Sunday night. I was just totally lost. I, I told Vicki, I said, it seems like it ought to be time to go to bed. And I said, it's, it's early yet. I was, I was just out of, my, I was out of my flow or something, you know. But we did enjoy the, the time off, and uh, it wasn't really, we, wasn't really time off, but it just a little break, a little rest, and we appreciate that. Amen. And uh, we don't do it as much as we should, I don't think, take enough rest. Jesus always called, you know, was always finding a place, calling his disciples away to find a place of rest so they could rest and get refreshed. And, but that was good. But I'm looking forward to preaching this morning and preaching tonight. So we're in the book of Mark, and um, I hope that everybody is enjoying our ministering on the life of Jesus as much as I'm enjoying studying it and preaching on it. And uh, I don't know of any greater subject that you could, or any greater Bible character or subject that you could minister on than Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And His life and uh, His teachings. So that's what we're going to look at again this morning in Mark chapter number 8. Are you there? Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 14, if you would. Verse number 14 is where we'll begin. It says, Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And Jesus charged them, saying, Take heed. Anytime Jesus says take heed, we need to be taking heed. Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, He said to them, Why reason ye, because you have no bread? Perceive you not, yet neither understand? Have have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see you not? Having ears, hear you not? And do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They said to him, Twelve. Then the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, Seven. And he said to them, How is it that you do not understand? Can I, can, I, can I paraphrase that last verse to you? How is it that you still don't get it? How can you not still get it? And, and remember, he's not talking here to, to, uh, to people out here that don't know anything about him. He's talking to his disciples. And he says, you just don't get it yet. And so I'm going to use that for my text this morning and, and uh, share some things and do some teaching and ministering from this eighth chapter of Mark. Father, thank you for your word. Touch our hearts today. Uh, open our understanding to your word today. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Jesus had just fed 4,000 people. If you'll read this entirety of the eighth chapter of Mark, you'll see that he had just fed 4,000 people with seven small loaves of bread and a few small fish. 
And the disciples had collected after that miracle seven large baskets full of fragments. This is not the same miracle that we studied a few weeks back of the feeding of the 5,000. It's not just repeating that miracle, but this is, this is another miracle in itself. Jesus, this is the second time now that He has fed a multitude. And um, a few couple of chapters over, I believe it was the sixth chapter, He fed 5,000 on that occasion. And they collected 12 baskets of fragments or leftovers after He had took the five loaves and the two fishes and fed 5,000 people. So now He's just fed 4,000 um, with, with seven loaves and a few small fish, the Bible says. And everybody's uh, got something to eat and now He can send them away. And so, you know, when we read about that miracle of the feeding of the multitude and the fact that Jesus did it twice... I think we're, we're reminded again and we're encouraged by the Lord's compassion for people and His complete and total control over every situation that we fa face in our life. And when you read that, about that miracle and another thing about both the miracles of the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes were that, that they all that were there all ate and were filled and were satisfied before Jesus sent them away. He wouldn't send them away empty. He wouldn't send them away hungry, but He, he, he filled them up and, and gave them plenty to eat so everybody was satisfied before they were sent away. And this group of 4,000, He sent them away healed and filled. He administered to their sick. He had healed their sick. And when you, when you study that miracle, you see that Jesus had blessed these people in three different ways. He had blessed them spiritually because they had been with Him for three days. They had come, Jesus said they had come, many of them from a far away to come where He was to sit under His ministry for three days without anything to eat. Oh, come on, somebody. We, we have a hard time sitting until 12 o'clock without anything to eat. But these folks had sat for three days without anything to eat to hear the, 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 the ministry and the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, to hear the words that He had to speak. And so He blessed them spiritually, but then He healed those that were sick among them and blessed them physically. And now He's, he's multiplied loaves and fishes again to feed them, and He's blessed them materially. So every area of their lives were taken care of by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we need to remind ourselves this morning that the same Jesus that we read about in this book that performed those miracles is the same Jesus that we serve today. Amen. He hadn't changed a bit. And He has still today has the solution for every problem that you or I may face in this life. And so we need to remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is still the same and that He can provide for us no matter how impossible the situation might seem to be, that He is still the way maker, He's still the miracle worker, He's still the promise keeper, and He can still take care of you and your situation if you'll just turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen this morning? Hallelujah. So after this miracle, Jesus and his disciples get into a boat and they head across the uh, Sea of Galilee to, the Bible says, to the region of Dalmanutha. Uh, Dal and um, 
I'm glad I live in Farmington. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and as he gets there down Manutha, uh, immediately, now Jesus had left, and we, we saw this a few weeks back. Jesus had left the area to go minister in the area of Tyre and Sidon just to kind of get a break and to get away from the Pharisees. They were giving him so much trouble. We saw this all through the book of Mark that these religious leaders just was confronting Jesus all the time. And so here again, Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees and they clearly, they clearly declare the rejection of the Lord and they demand of him a miracle. They, they demand of the Lord to give them some sign from heaven to prove to them that he is really the Messiah. I mean, you know, never mind that he's been healing the sick in their midst. Never mind he's been casting out devils in their midst. He's been doing all kinds of miracles, but they're just not satisfied with that. They want a, a sensational, something sensational. They want a sign for he, from heaven. They're wanting Jesus to do something like calling fire down from heaven. You know, something right there. Uh, you know, at their demand so that they'll know. If you'll do a sign, if you give us a sign, let us know. Do something to prove that you're really the Lord. And you know what? It's, it's easy today for folks to get caught up in that same, with that same attitude today because we have people doing the same thing today that are always seeking something sensational from the Lord or asking God for a sign or asking the Lord to prove to them or show them a sign to prove to them that he's with them or that he's going to help them. We got people, you know, today within the church world, in the body of Christ, that, that, that run from one meeting to another meeting seeking a, a word, a special word from the Lord. People that are looking for the sensational, something sensational. And us, we full gospel people seem to be the world's worst at doing that when we don't realize and we, we, we need need to realize that, that the Lord has given us everything that we need today to guide us, to direct us, to lead us. We do not need a supernatural sign. We don't need a special word from God. We don't need a special prophecy from somebody else because he's given us a Bible and he's given us the Holy Spirit and he said that when the Spirit of God has come into our life, he will lead us into all truth. Amen. Take the Bible. Take the Holy Holy Ghost that you have and pray and let the Lord guide and lead and direct your life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is our shepherd. Come on, somebody. And Jesus even made the statement, you know, in Matthew, he said, it's an e he said it's an evil and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign, and there's not going to be a sign given. The sign that was given to them was, he said, the sign of the prophet of Jonah, the prophet Jonah. Amen. So, you know, do you understand something? And here's the danger of seeking after something supernatural or sensational. And that is that many people during the tribulation will be deceived and follow the Antichrist because the Antichrist will have power, the power of Satan to call fire down from heaven, to, to give life to an image and cause it to speak. He will have power to do supernatural signs. And the whole world will wonder after the Antichrist because of the power of Satan that he demonstrates. So we're not to be seeking after signs. We've got the Spirit of God living in us to lead us and to guide us. Praise God. That ought to be some good news.
So Jesus here, when they sought for a sign from the Lord, he refused to play their game. And so Jesus just leaves them standing there, and he and his disciples go, and they get in the boat, and they sailing back across. He just left them. The Bible said he just left them. He wouldn't stay in there putting up with none of their foolishness. He got in the boat and headed back across the lake. Well, now he's not dealing with the Pharisees. Now he's got to deal with his own folks, his own, his own disciples. And so he's on the boat, and while they're crossing the lake, the disciples, now listen to me, the disciples have still got their mind on bread. They still got their mind, they're still thinking about that, that, that those, tw- <laughs> those seven baskets of, of leftovers that they forgot to bring with them but left there at the place where Jesus performed the miracle. So they're thinking about bread and they realized in verse 14, they realized that they had forgotten to bring along any bread for themselves. And uh, the Bible says that, that when they got to thinking about it, they thought, we, we've only brought, brought one loaf of bread. And so I can kind of imagine the thoughts that they had, you know. I mean, they're, they're probably thinking, you know what? We had seven huge baskets full of bread back there. And, and those baskets of fragments, those baskets were not little Easter baskets, okay? They weren't little Easter baskets. These were baskets that were large enough for a man to get inside. It's the basket like they used to lower Paul down you know, in, uh, from the window of the, or, or from the wall of the city. So these were huge baskets, seven full of fragments, and they're thinking, we didn't bring anything except one loaf of bread is all that we brought with us, and that's not going to be enough. That's not enough just to even feed one of us, and here there are 12 disciples plus Jesus. We just don't know what we're going to do. We don't have any bread. We forgot about bread. And Jesus uses their forgetfulness Amen. I know nobody here is forgetful. Amen. But Jesus uses their forgetfulness as an opportunity to teach them a lesson. And the lesson that he's going to teach them is a lesson about their lack of faith and their failure to understand his power. Now, now I don't know if anybody, if no one else needs this message this morning, just let me preach to me. Is that all right? Okay, and you just listen and you just take what you, you know, take what's good and, and, uh, and what you don't need, just, you know, pass it on to your neighbor, okay? Praise God. But, uh, but Jesus said in verse 17, he said, he said there, when Jesus was aware of what they said, what they were talking about, he said, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? How is it that you do not understand? How is it that you just don't get it? And I'm telling you, uh, as I was studying this the last couple of weeks, this this, uh, particular passage, I begin to see how we today are so much like these disciples were that were with Jesus. Jesus 24-7. Human nature hasn't changed much. We haven't changed much. We're still the same because there's some, there's some of us and sometimes probably all of us at some time or another when it comes to the things of God and, and, the, and the teachings of the Lord, sometimes we just don't get it. A little quiet this morning. Are you all still awake? All right, don't, don't leave me now, all right? 
But we, that's the truth. Now, now, Jesus had given them a command. He had been talking to them. He begins to talk to them in this passage about, about leaven. And he gives them an admonition and a warning. And he says to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now, you all know what leaven is. Leaven is another word for yeast. And everybody knows what yeast is. I think if you've ever done any cooking or baking, but yeast is a bacterium that, that gives off a gas that causes bread to rise. And the yeast, when it's put in, in bread, you know, I don't know if any of y'all make homemade yeast rolls or anything, but when I worked for the school years ago, I don't think, do they still make them at school, the homemade rolls, do they? Do they, Brother Jim, they do it there? Well, anyway, when I worked the school, they'd make that, they'd make that dough up. And uh, the, 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 the days that they would make up the dough for the yeast rolls, they'd make it up a day ahead of time and put it in the walk-in cooler. And it would just be in one, it would be a setting at the very bottom, one of those big pans about this big around. It'd be very, at the very bottom, that dough would of that pan. And they would say, before you leave today, could you go in the cooler and uh, stomp the dough, they told me. They said, make sure your feet are clean and get in there and stomp the dough. But what they meant was to shake it, you know. And I thought, well, okay. So I'd go in there, and, and that little bit of, of, of dough that was just a little bit in the bottom of the pan, by the end of the day, it was running over the pan. That yeast had permeated the entirety of that dough, and the, and the gases in that yeast, when it was activated, began to cause that bread to rise or that dough to rise, amen? And that's, that's what Jesus was, was talking about. He was talking about yeast. And that yeast, there's some about yeast when it's put in that dough that yeast will completely fill that whole lump of dough. How many knows what I'm talking about? And so in the Bible when the Bible speaks of leaven or speaks of yeast it's a picture of sin it's a picture of evil it's a picture of wickedness and a false doctrine. It's always used in a connection as a picture of corruption and when, when the Bible talks about leaven it's never used in a good sense at all or in a good way in the scriptures. We even going back to the Old Testament, every Passover when they, when they, when they would have the Passover and prepare to um, prepare the unleavened bread for the Passover, they had to go, every Jewish family had to go through their house and remove all the leaven from their dwellings. Leaven wasn't to be in any place in their homes whatsoever because it was a picture of corruption. That's why when we partake of communion and we have unleavened bread, the little wafers that we eat. We don't go down to, to the store and get us a big old loaf of, of bunny bread or wonder bread. We use the unleavened bread because the leaven represents corruption and the body of Jesus had no sin and had no corruption, so that's why it's unleavened bread. Can I get an amen? And so they had to clean it out of their houses and of their dwellings. And they weren't allowed to use, the Israelites were not allowed to use any leaven in their offerings whatsoever. And so this is a picture for you and I. And that's why Jesus is giving this warning and saying to beware of leaven because even in the New Testament, Paul the apostle warns the church that we should purge out the old leaven that is among us that we may be 
be a brand new lump as we are unleavened. What is he saying there? He's saying that we as believers, as a church, we have to lay aside everything that is evil and all spiritual corruption and that we must live a clean and pure life before the Lord Jesus Christ in the day in which we're living in. Amen? He went on to say, Paul did in, in 1 Corinthians 5, that we also, he warned that a, a little bit of leaven or a little bit of yeast will leaven the whole thing. Amen. It'll leaven the whole lump. You can't put just a little bit of yeast in dough and expect it to stay in one spot because it will spread. And that's the idea that's given in the scripture that, that, that just as yeast will spread through the dough, are you listening to me? A little bit, a a little bit of evil, a little bit of sin is just like that yeast in our lives. When we or if we tolerate just a little bit of sin in our lives, it will soon infiltrate every part of our lives because evil is like leaven and it soon affects and infects the whole thing. Amen? That's why we gotta purge the old leaven out. That's why we gotta make sure our lives are clean. That's why we gotta make sure we're living right. Hallelujah. Can't allow just a little bit. And that's Satan's biggest ploy today. And his, his strategy is just to get, if he can just get the church to believe that one little thing is okay. But I'm gonna tell you what, we got to make sure we're a new lump. Come on, somebody. Just call me lumpy. Hallelujah. I wanna be a new lump, a brand new lump, purified and cleansed from all the evil, leaven, and wickedness. In the same way, the Bible speaks of false doctrine as being a leaven. Because just a little bit, it just takes a little bit of wrong teaching. Just a little bit of false doctrine. Is anybody with me? That's why our, our teaching, our doctrine has got to be pure. It cannot be tainted with anything that would, that, would, that, would, uh, uh, that would be against the word of God. Because listen to me, church, and here's the problem within the church world today is that we, many of our churches, even many of our full gospel churches, have begun to deviate a little bit from the Word of God. Have begun to add things or allow things or compromise with, with the world in some way or another. But only a small deviation is all that it takes. And the enemy knows that. That just a small deviation from the Word of God, if it gets into an individual or into a church, it will soon grow and into a place where it infects the whole, where it infects everything. And churches today that have got off on, on doctrines today, the Bible, listen to me, the Bible tells us very plainly, very explicitly that in the last days that there would be those who would depart from the faith, the true faith of Christ in the cross because they have given heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There's doctrines of devils. You better be careful about who you get online and listen to. You better be careful about the preachers that you are hearing and supporting and listening to. It don't take, well, most of what they say is okay. Let me tell you, a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole thing. We got to be true to the word of Almighty God. Woo, hallelujah. Let me tell you, if they get the cross wrong, their whole doctrine's gonna be skewed. 
whole thing will be messed. So Jesus warns about leaven. He warns about the evil influences of the Pharisees and Herod. I'm going to have to move along here. But just to, just to, just to enlighten you a little bit about the, fair, the leaven of the Pharisees was hypocrisy because Jesus revealed that in Luke chapter 12. He told them there to, be, to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees that it, that was hypocrisy. So leaven is likened to hypocrisy. Here's what Jesus is telling his people, his, his, his followers, his disciples. Beware of hypocrisy. And that's the way the Pharisees were. You know, they were religious men, but all of their religion was only external. It didn't, they didn't have a change of heart or change in their life. These Pharisees claimed to know the Lord. They claimed to love the Lord, but they were fakes and they were phonies. And Jesus exposed that in their life. And so Jesus is warning his disciples to, to, to not have a hypocritical heart. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Don't be hypocritical. You know what? I know we don't have any hypocrites here. Come on, I'm preaching to those that are not here today. But you know what? You know what? What? It, what? It, what? It, the word hypocrite means, and we we all have heard that term. We all know that term. But the word hypocrite means to put on a mask. It was used in in, in the Greek language for those who were play actors on the stage. They were playing a part that was not really real, and that's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about hypocrisy. It's people that are acting like what they really are not. Is anybody here today? Yes, and he warns us. Again against that. See, it's easy. Listen to me, church. It's easy for us to get cold and distant toward the Lord and distant from God in our hearts. It's easy for us to continue, even though we've drifted away from the Lord, to continue to go through the motions and pretend on the outside that everything's okay when it's not right on the inside. And there's so many people that have become masters of pretending that our hearts are not where they need to be with the Lord. They're pretending something that they do not possess. Come on, somebody. Jesus is warning against hypocrisy in our heart. And so we need to guard ourselves. When he says beware, then he means beware that you don't become hypocritical in your walk with the Lord. Be sincere. Have the love of Jesus. Put God first. Give him your all in all. Come on, amen. Well, hallelujah. Then he warns of the leaven of Herod, which was the leaven of the Sadducees, which was worldliness and compromise. I could preach a whole message on this. Again, I have too much material to cover, but I, I want to get this across this morning. We see this today because the Sadducees were the religious liberals of the day. The Pharisees were the legalists. They were big in legalism. The Sadducees were the liberals. They, They compromised. They believed that anything was okay. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe God was a miracle worker. I guess that's that, that I guess that's why they were sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in anything. 
Could be now, I don't know, could be. But these Sadducees were worldly and they were secular and they joined forces with Herod and compromising with the Romans. So Jesus is warning about the leaven of, the, of Herod or the Sadducees, the leaven that infiltrated their lives and teaching of the Sadducees was materialism and worldliness and compromise with the world. And so what Jesus is warning here is for his disciples, for us today, not to get caught up in the quest for more of the world's goods and more of the world's favor. Because to be a friend of the world, come on somebody, help me preach, is to be what? An enemy with God or an enemy of God. But we see that spirit, that leaven, listen to me, that leaven of Herod, that leaven leaven or yeast of compromise has infiltrated the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in these last days and the church is beginning to side with the liberal agenda that is out there and I'm telling you what as the closer it gets to the 2020 elections we will probably lose more folks because I will be getting a little bit more political and if you can't handle that if you can't stand the heat if you can't stand the heat what they say to do because we are not going to compromise with this liberal socialistic agenda that is trying to take over our nation today. It's leaven, it's leaven, it's leaven, and it's infiltrating the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's infiltrating the minds of our young people that they've become so, so caught up in this socialistic agenda. Look at Venezuela if you want to know what socialism will do to a nation. I didn't intend to say all that. I've given up trying to preach a 30-minute sermon on Sunday morning. We're living in wicked, evil, ungodly times. We need more of the preaching of the word and the teaching of the word than we've ever had before. We're being caught up with that desire the church is. For more of the world has to offer. We want to appease the world, the church does. We bring their music. No new cars. Right. We make our church buildings resemble nightclubs on, and rock and roll yes, venues. It's wrong. Yes, it I'm just telling you, Jesus said, don't let that, that's leaven. Listen to me, church. That's leaven that has come in. And I've saw it happen. I've saw it happen in our, our, our organization that we are in. I've saw it happen. They tried to keep it out of our, of our youth camps and stuff for a long time, but they finally let it in a little bit. But that leaven won't stop with just a little bit until the whole thing has been taken over in leaven. We can't allow just a little compromise. We can't allow just a little sin. We can't allow just a little worldliness. Come on. We've got to do as the word says and come out. Come out. Come out from the world and be separate, saith the Lord. Woo. 
What's happened to your pastor? I've, I've prayed through, glory to God. I've prayed through, had a breakthrough. Just a little of those things that exist in our life will infiltrate every area of our life. So the simple command of the, uh, of the Lord for the people of the Lord is to be clean and holy and be different, to not compromise. And He has not changed His mind about that. So the disciples, Jesus, I could, I could preach all day on that, but the disciples hear Jesus talking about the leaven. They don't get it. I, I stand up here sometimes on Sunday morning and preach my heart out, and I, I go home and I think, they didn't get it. Come on now, Pastor. Preach it. Some do and some don't. Yes, Let's sir, put it that yes, way. Sir. But he's, he's, he's telling them about the leaven, and they're totally, they're totally confused. They're just a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that about anybody at Abundant Life Church. I'm talking about the disciples. They're just a little bit thick-headed. Just a little bit. They're just a little bit on the spiritually dull side. And this is a good, these are 12 men that were living with Jesus 24 hours a day that were listening to his teachings every day, that saw his miracles every day. And they're just a little bit in sensitive to what he has to say. And they totally misunderstand what Jesus is talking about and they start trying to figure it out themselves. When he's talking about leaven, what's the first thing that they say? What's the first thing that they think? They, th- they said, he's getting on to us because we didn't bring any of that bread that he multiplied back there. We just got one loaf and there were seven baskets full of bread. And here we just brought one loaf. He's, he's angry at us because we, we're going to all be hungry and Jesus ain't going to get dinner tonight because we didn't bring enough bread. But how many knows Jesus is not talking about real bread at all? He's using that leaven that's found in bread as a metaphor. But as I said, they're so dense. They're spiritually thick-headed that they cannot grasp what the Lord's trying to tell them. And listen, I say this with all the love that I know how because, listen, I'm not pointing a finger at you or anybody else. My, as my uncle used to say, when my, I got a finger pointing here, I got three more pointing back at me. We're all in this same boat, amen? Because there's times in our life when we just don't get it. There's times in our walk with the Lord that we get a little bit spiritually dull. And the Lord tries His best to get us to understand His truth. And I try and not preaching and teaching to bring it down on the bottom shelf so that the, so anybody the simple can understand and receive what the Lord wants listen the word of God's not hard it's not complicated it's not difficult Jesus makes it simple and he wants us to get it he wants us to get it amen the greatest compliment I got last Sunday when people were coming through and shaking our hands was someone came through and said, you make the word of God, you put it down there where we can understand it. That was the best compliment I could have got. But we keep failing to get it and that's why, that's why we're no farther along spiritually than we are. That's why we continue to struggle 
with the flesh and with carnality. And that's why we don't enjoy the victory that we should enjoy because we're still not getting it. Come on, somebody. We preach, you know, and teach the, the, the message of the cross. We preach and teach the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ. We preach and teach how to walk in the Spirit and overcome the world and the flesh and the devil by placing your faith in the finished work of Christ through the blood of the Lamb. It's not rocket science. Come on, it's, it's simple. Jesus has done it all at Calvary, but we have to place our faith and keep our faith in that victory, amen? And, and, and we preach it, but, but, but when we don't get it, when we're like the disciples, when we don't fathom what he's trying to tell us in the word of God, and many times people, the only, the, the only word they get is when they sit here on Sunday morning. They don't come back on Sunday night, and they don't come back on Wednesday night, and they don't take the Bible with them to read through the week, and they, there's no way, you're just not getting it. I said you're just not getting it. It takes more than just a Sunday morning hallelujah to give you victory over the powers of darkness. That's why, that's why we, our churches today in the United States for the most part, oh, well, Brother Rick, we've got the biggest attendances in church that, that, that there's ever been. And I don't think that's true, but they say that. And the world is more corrupt, so obviously we're not doing our job. But we've got... How do I want to say this? Sometimes pastors feel like they're running a spiritual nursery. My wife works the nursery back here, you know, and in the nursery, kids are hollering and screaming and taking toys away from one another and fighting with one another and pushing one another, and they're just acting like kids. They're acting like babes, amen? But sometimes that, that's, that we see that in the body of Christ in the church. And why is that? Why is that? When people have been saved for years and years and years and, and was, you know, got our... 25-year Sunday school pen. Oh, man, we just, you know, we've been in, I've been in the church for 40 years and all this, and that's all wonderful and good, but where? See, God's not concerned about your Sunday school pen, and He's not concerned about how many years you've been a member of a certain church. What the Lord's concerned about is this. Are you getting it when you come to the house of God and the Word's being preached? Are you getting it? Is it getting into your heart and into your mind and it is, is it having an effect or does Jesus say about us after a good service, after a good word from the Lord when we walk out those doors and go back to doing things like we've always done and we don't have a change in our life, is the Lord saying you just are still not getting it come on somebody do you not yet understand you know, sometimes the words got, uh, I'm not going to. What's the condition of the, of the Christians? 
that the writer of Hebrews wrote to, the Hebrew Christians. He said, you should be teaching somebody else but you still need somebody to teach you. You need to be taught again the same principles. In other words, it's going over and over. You can't have, the, you can't have solid food. You're still on the milk because you're still babes. Paul said the same thing to the Corinthian church. He said, I wanted to feed you with meat, but I still got to stick a bottle in your mouth. You still got to have a nipple because you're not grown up yet. You're still babes in Christ. You're still carnal. You're just not getting it. Preach it. Preach it. Teach it. Praise the Lord. I guess I'll have to preach to myself tonight. Now preach it. Teach it. Good. That's good work. I'm going to preach while I got you here. Amen. Whoo. This is so important. So important. God is seeking to grow us up. Paul told us that's the reason for the fivefold ministry, so that you be no longer children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. But he said that you would grow up in him to the fullness of the stature of Christ. We've got to grow. What a shame it is that we're missing out on so much that God wants us to enjoy because we don't look past the natural to see the spiritual. And these disciples listened to Jesus' teaching about that leaven, and they said, oh man, we should have brought some more bread. They totally missed it. It was just boom. Are you anybody getting anything out of this? So the Lord gives them a challenge. Now they had saw His miracles, And they'd saw him do great things two different times, as I said. He's multiplied loaves and bread of bread and fish and fed fed 5,000, 4,000, plus their families. Yet they still, listen, after, after seeing that, after being involved in it, who passed the bread out? They did. He he blessed it and gave it, broke it off and gave it to them. And they went out and passed it out. They saw the multiplication miracle. Twice they saw that happen. But they still couldn't understand. They still didn't get it. That if he did that, why would they be worrying about only having one loaf of bread? He could still, if he could multiply food for 9,000 plus their families, don't they think he can take care of 12 little measly disciples with one loaf? Glory to God. I'm sorry, I'm just getting excited this morning. I can't help myself. No, I can't help myself. I don't want to help myself. That's where we're at. I'm there. Listen. I find myself in this same place. They were worried about bread to eat. They still didn't get it. They still didn't get it. And what a sad thing it is when we who know the Lord have experienced His blessings, we forget His power, and we fail to believe Him to meet our needs. And Jesus begins to question them. Man, He drills them. Mm. Kind of like God did to Job. Right? Yes, yes. Like the Lord did to Job. He, ben, he gave him, he, he, he set him down and asked him some questions. And then Jesus, let me, hang on, I'm finding my place. Jesus begins to ask them, 
his disciples. When he told them about the leaven, they said, we forgot the bread. He's mad because we forgot the bread. He's going to miss supper. And Jesus said this. When Jesus knew what they said, he said, why reason you because we have no bread? Don't you perceive yet? Don't you understand? Have your hearts, are your hearts still hard? I imagine he's giving them a pretty stern rebuke. That's the way I see this. You have eyes, don't you see? You have ears, don't you hear? Don't you remember? Then he asks them the question and he says, when I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets of fragments did you 12 guys pick up? 12. And when I broke the bread and fed 4,000, how many baskets of fragments did you guys pick up? And they said seven. So he's bringing it down to their level and he said, why don't you get it? You know what he was trying to say, don't you think? Why are you worried about us not having bread when the bread of life is on the boat with you? Why are you worried about missing dinner with one loaf when the multiplier of the bread is in your presence right here? How many of us miss it? How many of us miss it today when we think we forget about all that God has done for us in the past and all we can see is the little bit that we have now and we say, I don't know how we're gonna make it and Jesus is saying, don't you get it? If I did it before, I can do it and will do it again. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't you get it? I'm losing y'all. I got to hurry up. We're just like they are. We need to remember his power in our lives. We need to remember what he's done for us in the past. We need to remember the many times that he has blessed us, that he's provided for us. And that's the very thing Jesus was trying to bring to their attention. I just performed this miracle twice, and now you're worried about going hungry and missing dinner. We need to set up some memorial stones. I'm closing with this. When the children of Israel came across the Jordan River, they came out of the wilderness and they entered into Canaan, the Lord told them to set up 12 stones as a memorial. 12 stones from the Jordan River bed that were to be set up in Gilgal as a memorial of what God had done for them. God had, pointed, uh, had parted the river Jordan for them and allowed them to cross over on dry ground. That's quite a story and a miracle in itself. When those priests bearing the ark, as soon as, their, as soon as their feet got in the water, the waters were cut off from the north and flowed on down and God dried the the riverbed out, and they walked across 
that whole nation of Israel at flood tide walked across on dry ground the Jordan River and went into Canaan. And God told them that before the waters came back over the Jordan that they were to take a stone, each uh, 12 men, a stone for each one of the tribes of Israel. And they were to set those stones up at Gilgal as a memorial. These stones were to be a reminder of the great power of God in their lives. And when their children were to ask them in years to come, what do these stones mean? Then they were to give them the testimony of how God had performed the miracle when it was an impossibility and how God brought them across the Jordan and how God caused the walls of Jericho to fall down. It was to be a memorial for them. And can I tell you today that you and I need to erect some memorials in our life to remember what God has done for us because we are such a forgetful bunch of people. We, we need to think today. I, I think today in the end of this service, we need to set up some memorials for our own self and think about all the times that God has come on the scene in our life. Think about all the mountains that God has moved in your life and set up a memorial. I think we need to remember all the prayers that God has answered for us and set up a memorial. I think we need to stop and think just for a moment about the peace of God and the sensing of his presence and how he has blessed your life for no apparent reason time and time and time again and brought you out and brought you through and given you one victory after another and miracle after another in your life and set up a memorial and say I remember I remember what God has done for me remember the times that he's healed you remember the times that he's raised you up off of that bed of affliction and set up a memorial oh hallelujah it's time today abundant life to reflect and to remember and to realize that if he can do such great things for us as he's done in the past that he's still the same God today that will still do what we need him to do Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When I think about the Lord, woo, hallelujah, forgive me, I got, to, I got to shout just a little bit today. Hallelujah, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost and healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around and set my feet on solid ground, I'm gonna tell you what it makes me wanna do. It makes me wanna shout, hallelujah. Woo! You all know me good enough to know I'm not that stand behind the pulpit preacher. I got to get out amongst you. Ten years or so ago and I had surgery and uh, the doctor, the surgeon said, okay. I said, you're a pastor, yeah. Well, you can miss one Sunday. He said, you can be, here's the way he put it. You can 
be out from behind the pulpit one Sunday or not be in the pulpit one Sunday. Well, that sounds good to me. Take off one Sunday, I'm back to preaching. My wife said, uh, Doc, you don't understand. He's not one of those stand behind the pulpit kind of preachers. And the doctor looked at me and he said, oh, you get a little excited, do you? I said, every once in a while. <laughs> every once in a while. He said, well, maybe you need to make it two Sundays. I said, thanks a lot, Vicky. I can't help it. But I said, you think Jesus run around and acted like that? You think he hollered and screamed and jumped and run? I don't know about Jesus doing it, but everybody he touched did. And when I, oh, hallelujah, when I feel his touch, when I think about Brother John's, what he's done for me, it just makes me want to shout. Makes me want to praise the Lord. Amen. I want to get it. I want to understand. I want to remember what Jesus has done in my life. Bow your heads with me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you today. Thank you, Father, for your holy presence. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord, I believe today that you are you're calling us today to a radical total, complete, absolute faith in you. You're calling us, myself and this church, to trust you wholly and fully and completely without reservation. You're calling us today, Lord, to lay aside our what-ifs and our hows and our maybes. And God, you're calling us to put our trust totally in you, Jesus, because if you, if you did it, if you took five loaves, and you fed 5,000 and you took seven loaves and you fed 4,000, you could took that one loaf and feed 12. Lord, help us to remember today. Help us to remember and to stop and set up a memorial today and say, this is what these stones mean because this is what God has done for me. Let us remember what you've done for Abundant Life Family Church over these last 16 years and to know that you who have begun a good work in us will bring it to completion. We bless you, Jesus.